0: How do we navigate a mixed faith marriage and betrayal
1: trauma at the same time? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. B, This is going to be a good one today, as usual. <laughs> we always say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it will be a good one, though. Yeah, I think faith is a big topic, you know, especially when we're inside of a marriage. So this is going to be really good. Absolutely. Um, before we, we
0: jump into it, though, uh, we've been talking about a women's conference coming up in March. The countdown uh, it, is officially on. It's on. Uh, yeah, And people are signing up. Um, so come join us. It's our Radiant Dawn conference. It's the end of March, March 24th, Southern Utah. Um, it's uh, 1000 bucks for the first 15 that sign up. So you want to get on it and get on it fast. In fact, by the time this is released, maybe that first 15, 15 is already sold, be out. sold
1: out. Um, so. But there's a, there are a few spots left at that price. The other the other price is fifteen hundred dollars for the normal price. Um, but this is this is the kind of thing where you know you hear a lot about a, different conferences and things. If if you want a conference where you're going to do a lot of experience and less sitting in front of a TV screen with slides, this is the one. This is going to yeah. be active. This is going to go after your heart. This is going to be healing to your heart and it's also directed towards a relationship an authentic relationship with god i mean it's it's spirituality it's christian based
0: i'm just tyler i'm really excited because me too i'm pumped about it you know our our men's retreat was spiritual and i just i mean no offense to the men but get a bunch of women together and work on spirituality (laughs) and my goodness like i'm excited for it so me too i'm really excited yeah yeah so anyways, um rising uh, no no no. radioconference.com. Yep. Yeah. Good. All right. So, Sarah, welcome Thanks. to the show. Um so to start, just give us a little bit of background, tell us what's going on with you and then ask your question. Um,
2: yeah, so um back in August, um my husband disclosed to me um that he'd been using porn for our entire marriage. We've been married for almost 10 years. Um, and that was something that, you know, we talked about before marriage and he said, oh, yeah, I used it as a kid. But, you know, I, I'm clean. I got clean and I am clean. Um, you know, I, we had talked about it several times. Like I, I remember two specific instances asking him point blank, you know, are you using porn right now in our marriage? And he denied. Um, but um, so that was a, a pretty big shock. Um, so then he disclosed that then. He disclosed a little bit later that you know, some financial dishonesty. Um, and then more recently, he kind of disclosed that he um, has had a pretty big faith shift, a faith transition as well. Um, which also, I know maybe it's not fair to like say that it's a betrayal, but we have been talking like faith was a big part of our foundation of our marriage. We've talked about faith things and faith transitions for the last six years. Um, And I found out kind of through a a letter that he had written to, he had sent a letter to his friend and I found this letter and I kind of asked him about, he's like, oh no, it's not. And he was really vulnerable with this friend and it it wasn't a close friend, right? But it was a faith, uh, like a faith transitioner friend, right? So that kind of felt really hard. So that's kind of where we're at is we're trying to navigate like a new mixed faith marriage as well as um, all of the betrayal.
0: how many kids do you guys have yeah three kids um and so you're feeling like he's kind of confiding and talking to to other people about really important things um spiritual things and and avoiding talking to you about it yeah
2: at the time now he has opened up now that it's all out there in the open so he is talking um to me about it but yeah
1: Okay so so basically if i'm hearing you right things have kind of been this way but when d day happened there's been this like cascade of other things that have all kind of like lumped themselves together so you've got the betrayal trauma you've got the confusion over like the difference between you know your own religion or spirituality and it's just kind of this like soup that you're swimming in and saying god how do i na- how do yeah, i navigate all of exactly. this yeah there's a lot there
0: um if you don't mind me asking, um, I know I'm not supposed to ask this, but about how old are you guys? He's 31 is he?
2: and I'm 29.
0: Okay. Um, do you know why Probably
2: I'm asking Probably because I that? look like I'm 10. <laughs> 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 or because that's the typical profile, typical exactly. profile that you guys have <laughs> when this all comes out.
0: Well, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I mean... D-Day and coming out with the addiction and things, about 10 years in, I'd say is, a, is, a, is pretty common. Um, it's different for everybody. Um, but faith transition um, stuff really starts to amp up um, in your 30s, usually. And they look at it um, less as like faith crisis and almost more like a stage of development um, in terms of spirituality. So it's no wonder to me, um, that this is starting to come up in your marriage some, and it's interesting to watch couples navigate it. Um, and now you throw that in, in with betrayal trauma and there's a, there's a crack in the foundation of the relationship because trust isn't really solid and maybe it's better now than it, was but it's not really solid so it's hard to to navigate something like that that's so important and not have that safety and that trust underneath um is that right sarah yeah so i think we 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 do have some answers as to how to navigate it and some things that you guys really can do so that's the good news um
2: yeah for sure
1: so, so Sarah, I have another question for you just so that I understand your husband, is he in a different faith than you are, or is he just in a different place in his spiritual journey?
2: Um, Yeah, just a different place
1: in his spiritual journey. Okay. So it's like, like basically this idea of call it a crisis of faith or something that's being navigated, but it's not like you're coming together from two different denominations and saying, Hey, we need the kids to go to church at this place or this place, or this is how we're going to raise the kids, all of that stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is an unexpected. We came together. We were of the same faith tradition. We were have been on the same page as far as faith for a long time. Mm
0: -hmm. So, so was the expectation kind of like, we're going to raise our family in this faith. Like we're, we're in this, this is what we're doing. And then all of a sudden things are changing. Yeah. Yeah. How does that make you, Oh, go go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask Sarah how that makes you feel like, I know betrayal trauma. I know the feelings there. Are there any different feelings with the faith stuff that, that come up for you?
2: Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're similar. Um, I would say this is harder more so honestly to, to navigate. Um, but yeah, I mean a lot of the like, yeah, frustration, like I, you know, I, I've done a lot of research. I have a lot of friends that have gone through, you know, faith shifts. Right. So like, you know i understand like stages of faith and like i understand yeah. you know adult development you know i've read a lot of books you know listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of studying but yeah it's it's hard it's hard to navigate when it's your husband
0: yeah is it fear is it sadness is it oh, maybe a cocktail of those things coming yeah. up yeah probably some betrayal as well right like you had certain expectations and you you thought you were sold the bill of goods and you're getting something very different, right?
2: Yeah. Well, and and that, that's part of it too, is like, he says that he hasn't really believed, um, in any traditional sense of like really believe like he, you know, he says, well, I believe in a higher power, which is, you know, but he says that he hasn't believed the way that we have traditionally believed for the last two years, which also kind of feels like a betrayal because he's Mm -hmm. been acting like he has.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Putting on that front, it's like, I think we see this a lot. Brandon and I both see this as, you know, as faith-going people, they tend to have to go through their own journeys of really coming to the conclusion of what they actually believe and agree with. And and sometimes you've been raised in such a way that you just go through the motions for so long that it really does feel like a betrayal. Um, When in reality, I mean, this sounds weird, but in reality, like having him be honest with you now about this faith stuff is probably a a step in the right direction compared to where it would have been if he would have stayed just going through the motions. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. That's a hard thing. Like you, so Sarah, you'd rather have him be
0: honest um, than compliant. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yet his honesty brings up feelings and this pain. Right. Um, And there's real opportunity here. That the same thing happens with betrayal, trauma, and sex addiction. There's real opportunity to galvanize you guys and to strengthen your relationship because of these things. Um, or this could destroy your relationship. Um, and it's going to push it to either go one direction or another. And, But it, it depends on something. And they're they're like, if you want it to get good because of these challenges, it's, there's a critical piece that it depends upon. And what that is, is, is trust is, is like, if, if, if you're showing up authentic and with integrity in the relationship, he's showing up authentic and honest, even when it's hard, then, then you'll build trust over time and you can navigate who you are as individuals and be connected enough as a couple, and it can really create a relationship that that is awesome for figuring life out, right? But if that trust isn't there, then what happens?
2: Yeah, I mean, the relationship disintegrates. We don't trust each other. We're yeah. not—I don't have the faith that he's, you know, being authentic.
1: It's fear. its it's—yeah. So, so Brandon, I got a question because this is like a, this is like a double whammy then with what you're just saying is, is that this is an opportunity to join if there's trust, but then you add in the betrayal trauma piece of it, which just totally erodes trust. Yes. So, so how, where do you start and how do you like, how do you try to tackle this stuff? Well, I, I, you know, the, the word D-Day is interesting (laughs) because what happened on
0: D-Day, like things were blown to smithereens, right? And, and so that that's actually the, the start to rebuilding the trust process D-Day is when things are blown to smithereens. Right. Um, and so, yeah, betrayal destroys trust. I'm not, that's, that's true. Um, but there's work to do afterwards. If, if you're staying married and you're in a relationship still, and you both want to be in that relationship, then you can, you can do this work that actually builds trust Far beyond how the trust was even before, the the thing about that is the the betrayal didn't happen on D Day, um, the pain came on D Day. But the betrayal, all of the betrayal trauma stuff was already happening. Um, what am I saying? Um, what what I'm saying is, you can absolutely take that horrible, painful thing, whether it's faith crisis, whether it's betrayal trauma, and work together and do the right kind of work to feel very connected and safe and um, just just happy in your relationship.
1: That, that's an opportunity, that, that's possible. Tyler, is that true? Well, I, we wouldn't be doing this work if we didn't both see and know and believe that it was true. Right. I, I just look at it from a place like Sarah where she's at or someone listening to this right now going, well, how do, when Brandon's saying, when Brandon's saying trust is the way to get through this faith crisis, but I can't have trust because this thing blew up in my face. It's I, what I'm getting at is that maybe the starting point has to back up a little bit to, to getting back to what does it take to start reestablishing trust? Yes. Yes, you know. absolutely. And and that's right. really what I'm saying,
0: too. It's like, OK, faith. If you're dealing with a big thing like a faith crisis right now, Sarah, and that trust isn't established, it's really kind of wobbly a little bit, then that faith crisis is going to turn into drama it's going to turn into fear cycles, resentments, assumptions, like all of those things that really hurt a relationship. Um, and so, Tyler, I totally agree with you. Is the backup here is to not fix the the issue with the faith crisis. The backup here is to make sure that Sarah, you, and your husband um, are are individuals for, first and foremost who can show up authentic and honest and empathetic with each other, um, to make sure that you have the strength to
1: do that. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So Sarah, how, uh, I guess just since all of this is sort of broken loose for you, how open are you guys with your communication right now?
2: I mean, I feel that we're really open. I, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that he's being open with me. It, it mm-hmm. feels pretty open. We are talking a lot, talking very often.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you you get the sense that he's trying to show up doing some of the principal things that we would coach in recovery, like being transparent and being committed to whatever changes he's trying to make? And is, is is there a feeling or an essence that that's actually happening?
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. So, so if that's happening, then what Brandon was saying applies here where it's like, okay, it's probably my, it's probably small and not where you want it to be, but there is enough room to at least have some of the discussions that would go along with this idea of faith. Well, and the, and the thing about it is, is, is like seeing you nod your head,
0: Sarah, like, yes, yes, he's doing, it sounds like he's, he's showing up as a different man than he was when he was hiding a bunch of things. Right. Yeah. Um but trust isn't like, Oh good. Now he's a trust. Now he's a guy with integrity. You got trust. It's a, it's this process. Right. Right. And so now you're in the, you're in the middle of this process where you're kind of like, I hope that he's a trustworthy dude. Like, I hope that. And now you take the faith stuff and this is, this is where like, it's really cool because you can take something like faith, something very deep and hard and you can test trust out a little bit with this thing. Um, and, and so the, the story about writing the letter to the friend is an interesting one. And I'm curious, what was his, uh, explanation to you about why he did that that way?
2: It was for me. And he was like, I just, I wanted his feedback on basically how to make it better or more convincing or whatever.
0: I see. So, but he, but your betrayal in that felt like you're saying things to him that I've never known. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like this is a guy he was roommates with for like a semester and he, you know, he talked about his porn and stuff in there, which is, I I don't, I don't care. Um, But yeah, just very vulnerable with a person that I felt like he didn't have a super close relationship with, but because they, you know, both share the same faith crisis or whatever that made him feel like he could be more vulnerable with him than he could be with
0: me. Right, so the the breakdown in trust was was you're opening up and showing somebody else who you are, and you're you're deceiving me because you're not showing me who you really are. Is that yeah?
2: Mm-hmm. And I felt like he wasn't super honest about the letter. I found it in his, I found it on the computer, and I asked him about it. And he's like, oh, and so he would say that he wasn't dishonest. He's like, well, the letter really wasn't ready. It wasn't really ready for you yet, but like it was a finished letter at that point. Maybe it wasn't how he wanted to send it to me, but.
0: So that might be true, Sarah. It might be like, Hey, I'm trying to to work through this so then I can go to Sarah and really have this conversation. But here's another question for you is when the betrayal happened with this thing, um was he defensive or was he empathetic and understanding as to why this would feel like betrayal to you
2: um i think he did his best to be empathetic
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> you you saw the effort
2: yeah i think you know i think he, there was she, you
1: know what she just there, said but... Tyler? she just said i i didn't feel empathy i didn't feel empathy um, but i saw him try yeah yeah yeah, okay. <laughs> which which I think is probably what what she was also saying was, if she's she's reading me between the lines on our answer, she's like the answer was he was trying. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, okay. Hey Tyler,
1: we get the question all the time: How do I get into your groups, and how do I get the therapy that I need? We frequently have groups starting in an online fashion, so you can get help wherever you are in the world. You can find a group that will help you with the things that we talk about. Brandon, how do they find you? Liftforrecovery.com. You can get into my Lift group. It's a full comprehensive group program, both for betrayal, trauma, and sex addiction. And it's awesome. So I'd love to have you there. What about you, Tyler? We run what's called a Foundations of Recovery group, which is for both betrayal, trauma and addiction as well, all online. And it covers the basics of recovery, shame, resiliency, mindfulness, a toolbox, helping to cope with healing, and also different kinds of communication. And you can find that at lovestrong.com. So there's options there's no excuse now if you are ready to work recovery
0: you can come work with me or you can come work with tyler and you'll get the help you need at either one of our programs so come and join us
1: at lovestrong.com or or liftforrecovery.com
0: which is which is better than not trying empathy. Like a lot of what Tyler and I see all the time are these guys that just get so defensive and gaslight and do all kinds of crap to their spouse, um, with these vulnerable things. So, so yeah, so he's like kind of destroying trust at the same time, trying to build it this. Right. right? Which leaves Mm -hmm. you in this weird place of like, gosh, like I want to, I want to be, I'm sure Sarah, you want to be safe for him to navigate mm-hmm. this for himself. Correct. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's part of it too, is I've always felt safe to open up and share with him. And so like, to feel like the last, enti- like the entirety of our marriage, he hasn't felt safe with me. Made me feel pretty sad.
1: Yeah. yeah. But did you, when you addressed that with him, what was this, what was the discussion like?
2: Um. I mean, you know, he talks about his own, trauma and he's like, I've never felt safe with anyone.
1: I've never opened up with anyone. Okay. Usually, usually that's the case is that, you know, we talk about trust, especially betrayal trauma. We talk about it one way, which is the betrayed to the betrayer or whatever. Um, But, but it's actually a two way street. And a lot of the times that the lack of trust on the other side is really that I just don't trust anyone. And and it sounds backwards, but because you're his wife and the one who should be closest to him, in some ways, the fear and vulnerability feels bigger because there's more consequence if you were to reject who he is. And so um, so it likely wasn't personal towards you as much as it was and is an issue that he's got to be working on to figure out how to break through that fear and and step a little bit further into that vulnerability, which it sounds like he was in the process of trying to figure out and do this is where it's hard. It's hard
0: to know because, like, I've seen some of the safest, most like, um, just secure attachment, healthy partners, be accused of being horribly unsafe and terrible and awful and all these things um, because of their because of their spouse's trauma that happened long before they were ever married. And so, no matter what, the, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. No matter what they do, they're not safe for their partner. Um, I've seen that, but usually it's some combination. It's also the partner isn't safe. Um, she's really defensive or scared or, or controlling or blaming or all all those things happen on top of, on top of his trauma, right? Mm Um, And then sometimes it's true that that the partner just isn't safe where it's like, look, I want to be an authentic, honest person. But if I do any little thing, this is going to blow up to it's going to go nuclear here. Mm -hmm. And so this is really where therapy helps, I believe, where a good, solid therapist can reflect back and, and identify things like, look, look, Sarah, you're not safe for him in these ways. Right. Or look, husband of yours. Um, she's a very safe person, but you're looking at her like you're looking at your mother or whoever, you know, I, I'm just making stuff up. Um, and so, so to kind of differentiate those things out, because then you start to see where the work needs to be done mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in terms of the trust. So it sounds like you say he's doing the best that he can. Yeah. And at this rate, are you going to be working at the best that he can forever? Is that what it feels like?
2: I mean, yeah, kind of, you know, like, you know, we're both, you know, doing our own work with our own therapist. We're in couples counseling, you know, like
0: mm-hmm.
2: we're doing all that we can, you know, but it does, it does feel pretty overwhelming. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Brandon, I want to, I want to just ask this again, like, thinking in some tangible ways because I liked how you painted the picture and you said this there's an opportunity here for a reestablishment of not just trust but connection even if there's this like difference in faith and I think most people when they hear crisis of faith that might be one of the scariest things that anybody hears mm-hmm. so so what would be I guess this is kind of going on with what Sarah's question was but what would be some of the tangible things that you'd want present for that process of navigating this crisis of faith? Yeah, uh, that's an excellent question. Um, so the,
0: the first, let's just, let's just say uh, the groundwork is that safety that we talk about, right? Um, where let's say I'm struggling with something with God and I'd really like to open up and talk to somebody about it. So I go to my spouse and she already either has some wisdom that she's already figured out or she has some judgment or she has some fear. Like for her to just be a safe space for me to process. And it's it's not so much about the answer, it's about the process. And that's where the that's where the trust starts to really get established is let's have a discussion. And in that discussion, you're gonna help me to illustrate my truth in who I am and how I feel because we're so safe together. And as that starts to happen, that's where trust really starts to, and and connection starts to solidify. You can be you, I can be me. We love each other and we're seeing who each other are by flushing stuff out together, by holding this space together. Um, That's, and, and then you do that over and over again on different topics. That's where real connection starts to happen. So I make it sound so easy. There's a bunch of things underneath that that are undermining um, that process
1: from happening in a lot of relationships. One of the things that I'm hearing you say, Brandon, I'm going to narrow it down to a single word is, is the ability to be curious yes. with with your partner, which is really hard when there's that, we have such strong emotions tied to our own, you know, spiritual beliefs that it's hard anytime those feelings get shaken or threatened. But, but there's, when there's space to be curious meaning we can explore things together and have room to talk where there's not going to be necessarily judgment. There is something in that that provides a ton of safety, you know, um, I'd, I'd maybe pull out a couple others here. I'm going sh- to, you know, we always share our own personal stuff here, but um, there was a time in my own faith journey where I would consider myself have gone, you know, very, very non-active in my own like church and denomination. And it was kind of like, radiating through our whole family and and it was definitely a problem and um and I was just wrestling with this stuff and I remember going and having several conversations with my wife as we went through this process where she kind of broke it down and said well instead of focusing on what you don't believe what do you still believe you know and then I started answering the questions of what I still believed in and then she was willing to be a part of it and say, well, let's, why don't we read certain books on those topics? And why don't we, let's step away from even the text of our own religion, but let's focus on the things that you do believe. And so we ended up reading a lot of other texts based off of my beliefs about God and then about Christ and about lots of other things. And and my wife was there along the way, sort of reading those things with me and having discussions with those things with me. And, um, and it was really it was really nice to know that i had a partner who was willing to go the journey you know i don't know where it would have ended you know we've i've i've since kind of come all the way around personally to where i'm like fully active in my own church and faith again but i feel like i've got a different relationship with god where i want to go i have conviction i have belief that i otherwise didn't have before um and that's worked out for us maybe i would have gone a different direction and maybe it would have ended differently, but the journey would have been worth taking, having had that like curious support through the process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I know that that was not an easy process for my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, like there were multiple times when I could see that her anxiety was raised, that she had worries about things. And and to be honest with you, I think as a couple in a relationship, if we're in it for the long haul, I fully anticipate being that for her when she cycles through whatever she's going to struggle with. Because I believe that we have an ongoing wrestle with our with God. It's it's not a get to a certain place and stay. It's an ongoing wrestle that that all of us have. And it's nice to have someone to do that journey with yeah but that that's
0: Sarah you're saying that you're in a different place than he is spiritually and that ongoing journey with God that you're talking about Tyler um it it happens on an individual level and but we we've I mean we are fed look we're one in Christ we're one body we're connected we're Um, we, you're the half that makes me whole, like spiritually, that's, that's how our full measure of, you know, and so I think a lot of times people interpret that as we need to think the same. Um, and, and and I don't believe that. Um, I actually think you become one with Christ and with God by having the courage and the faith enough to explore together. Um, and, and show up with your individual insights and, and thoughts. And what do you think about that, Sarah?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that's part of the pain as I feel like he's been taking that journey alone mm, and been yeah. having a, cause I feel like, you know, I absolutely agree. I've been growing in my faith and I, you know, I thought we were having these, you know, deep discussions and exploring things together. And he was just
0: faking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that hurts. That's painful. Um, I, I want to uh, coming back to your question, Tyler, tangible things. And, and for you, Sarah, um, spirituality, it has some real parallels to sexuality. So, um, where uh, you're so connected as a couple, yet you're individuals at the same time. So, um, you know, like if, if, Uh, my spouse came to me and said, Hey, spiritually, I think this about God and it's totally bizarre and different than what I think. And it's what like, huh? That's not where I'm at sexually. If, if my spouse came to me and said, Hey, I want to do this thing. And it's totally bizarre. And like, what, like it could trigger all kinds of things inside of me. Right. Um, if I, and this, this is my point that I'm trying to make, if I am interdependent with her, And I stand on my own two feet and I have my own boundaries, um, my own good, healthy boundaries and confidence in knowing who I am. And she can say something that seems bizarre to me. And in that moment of bizarreness or whatever, um, I don't have to jump to defensiveness or fear and control. Um, I can actually step into curiosity with her in that moment to tell me more. Why do you feel that way? Why does it look that way to you? You know, you're saying the sky is pink. I believe the sky is blue, but help me understand the sky is pink to you through your eyes. Who are you? Why? Now, I'm not going to get to a point where I have to say now the sky is pink because you do. I can still believe the sky is blue. And so in that interdependent place, so boundaries are very important is what I'm saying. Their boundaries are like my favorite thing. Um, your boundaries individually, Sarah, uh, and being disconnected enough from him are important for you to be able to be safe for him. He lacks boundaries with you. and why why can I say that? How do I know that?
2: because um, he hasn't he hasn't been fully transparent.
0: Yeah. So he's, he's so scared of your response and your, your actions. And I, you know, I gotta like, so he's overly connected to you and attached to you for his self-worth and knowing who he is. Um, So therefore it's hard to be open and honest and connected in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and so his individual work is important to solidify that so that then you can take these topics and build trust and connection with them.
2: So what
0: what
1: would appropriate boundaries look like? Um, let's so, uh, let me go ahead, Brandon. Go ahead, please, Tyler. Okay, so so if you you probably already got some going on. So what Brandon's getting at is number one, the first place you're going to start with your boundaries is is looking at your own your own kind of core beliefs your own convictions you're not necessarily going to give up on those in order to keep the peace what you're what he's saying is is that is there a way for you to show curiosity and still have the boundaries that you want to set to to live your own faith so for instance one would be and i don't know i I don't know we, we don't know your situation yet but maybe i continue to go to church and i continue to take the kids to church even though he might not be going for the time being Maybe, maybe I find it really important to still do my own whatever spiritual practices that I feel convicted in and that I feel help me. And even though he may be choosing to do other things right now, um, maybe I choose to, to hold on to certain beliefs, you know, and when there's a belief, that's like, you know, certain aspect of your faith comes up and he's like, how can you actually believe this? Like, it, it's totally false. Like, you know, I remember having a conversation with a, a really good friend earlier this summer about some of these things and. It's not that I'm going to go along with them and be like, nope, well, you're totally right. Like, it's But I can, I can at least empathize and say, well, it makes sense why you're questioning what you question. And for me, this is what I believe and this is how and why I believe it. Um, that in and of itself is boundaries. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Is that even helping with your question, Sarah?
2: I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, those are boundaries that have kind of naturally yes.
0: been it's been established. So, But Sarah, the, the overattachment t- to me, bound, you know, Brenny Brown says that boundaries are um, saying, you know, this is what works for me and this is what doesn't. Um, I, I, I think that's more of the way to communicate the boundary, but to, I, I would say boundaries are much deeper than that. And it's more of knowing where, where I stop and you begin. Um, it's knowing that that i who who i am um at a level where i can be me and you can be you and so if you give him the wrong look or and if if that just shuts him down then he's lacking boundaries with you because he's over attached to you um or vice versa right so if he says i don't want to go to church this week and that rocks your world about who you know god is to you and all of these things then you're lacking boundaries with him right do you you see what i'm saying
1: yeah so whereas the middle ground boundary is oh okay well that hurts me that you don't want to come to church i'm sad about that and i'm going to continue to go to church because that's who i am and i know that that kind of bothers you too um that's the boundary you're talking about brandon Yeah. The stop and end part of where I stop and, you know, and end.
0: Yeah. And you begin. So Mm -hmm. it's when, when two individuals lack a sense of, of self, and I'm not saying you do, Sarah, I don't, in fact, I don't pick that up from you at all. Um, but when two individuals lack a sense of self and knowing who they are, then they, they lean on each other to try to figure it out or try to fill that gap and that's where the boundaries really get lost. And that's where safety in the relationship can't be there where, Hey, I, this is, this is who I am sexually, or this is who I am spiritually. And the other person freaks out because they're too reliant upon their partner for okayness in their life. Hmm. Right.
1: What's going through you right now, Sarah?
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think, yeah, the hard thing is just dealing with okay, so we've set the boundaries, we're, we're okay with that, but then there's the pain, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess is that just like a a time thing or how do you deal with with the pain and the the sadness that comes, you know? Okay, yeah, you're we're going to do this and we're sticking to our boundaries, but that there's that friction, right?
1: Sure. D- yeah, well there's also a lot of grief going on too, you know. So so part of the part of this unfortunate truth of all of this is that there is going to be some of that pain. And then the question is, well, how do I navigate the pain while reducing suffering? Because this is going to be hard no matter what. But the way that I interpret things and the way that I respond to things is going to either increase my suffering or it's going to help me be proactive with things. So, So I might just suggest a couple of things that aren't going to solve the problem but they're going to reduce the suffering. Okay, The first one is, is that every time that that pain comes up, I think it's okay to meet yourself in that pain and to validate that it's there. And, and then that validation of that pain will allow you to move to the second stage, which is to allow for some self-compassion first, and if possible, compassion for the other side too. So if I can get to... To validation of my emotions and self-compassion, I can at least reduce the suffering and go, okay, this is a moment of suffering right now. We are in a rough time, but everybody goes through hard times sometimes and I can figure this out. I'm going to be okay. That's going to encourage you to then move to another step, which is that in the midst of that pain there's a whole bunch of different tools and skills that you're probably learning in therapy and that you're probably learning in your own recovery. I'd go back to the well on some of those things, some of those crisis survival skills, things like really healthy support from other people, self care, lots of self soothing, lots of like bringing your own, you know, your physical responses down through that self soothing and even some grounding techniques. And then maybe once in a while, if it's really big, some healthy distraction, although you don't want to do that too often. Um, it's okay to do all of those things to sort of help ride through this sort of inevitable part of the process that you're in. He can, Sarah, he can
0: be a huge asset to you to navigate that pain or he can be a huge liability. And I would just say, do not process this pain with him without the principles of trust intact in your relationship. So you're, you're grieving, Um, you're grieving, you know, the, the betrayal is one thing. And so you're trying to come to some terms and acceptance of, of that. And now you're grieving with, with the faith um, transition. And, and so you don't have to do it with him. Uh, It's better if you can, and it will galvanize you. It'll make, it'll make your relationship better. And that's what you would want, I would guess. But make sure those principles of trust are in place. Make sure that he's committed to um, honesty despite the consequences of it. That he can be honest with you, not just compliant. Um, That he's committed to, you know, he say he's learning how to empathize. That he's committed to continuing to learn how to empathize and to get better and better at being curious with you. Um, and and then th- that he's consistent in doing those things over time. and he's he's showing you that, yes, I have this integrity intact so that I can be this safe space for you to process your pain and your grief. well, hopefully you can be a safe space for me to to process with you what I'm thinking and what I'm going through. Um, now, if you have this grief and he and he shows up as a man who doesn't want to live those principles of trust, you still can navigate and process that grief it's 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 hard it's, but but you absolutely have the ability to work through that grief independent of him um doing your own work and a lot of the things Tyler just listed off like those are the things that you can step into um, so
1: I might have, and I, I might suggest I, one more one more thing here, depending on where you're at with your own sort of journey Sarah is that 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 process of coming to a place of, you know, acceptance of things as they are and surrender is a really really daunting, difficult one. Um, but depending on where you're at with your own wrestle with your higher power, that is a place that you can lean uh, for that place of surrender. And you probably go, I see a nodding your head. You probably go there a thousand times a day and say, "Here, God, I'm giving it back to you. I don't know what the outcome's going to be." And then five minutes later, you pick it back up, but but I think that there's something about that practice. It's It's got an element of letting go. It's got an element of surrender and humility that, that helps cultivate a heart that moves towards acceptance when you do that exercise, even if it is a thousand times a day of here, God. Like, I don't know how this ends, but I believe that however it ends, you can make it beautiful. Um, and uh, and that exercise is really hard because it takes a lot of faith and. Um, but it can also be really powerful. Okay. Sarah, I can just uh, attest
0: to what Tyler's saying. I've, uh, I've been there. My, my wife, she, she was doing some, getting into some stuff in terms of her spirituality and things that was freaking me out. And I was like, Whoa, what, what's going on here? This is what I, what, I, this isn't what I ever expected. What's happening. Let's, um, And so what it it led me to was really um, my relationship with God um, and trying to decipher what's truth, what's not truth, what feels good to me, Um, trying to be as solid as I could be with my truths. And it's really fascinating how it's ended up because my wife had to have courage to step into those things. It was really vulnerable, really scary for her. Um, like really vulnerable and and um, I, I could have been so detrimental to her if I showed up in just my fear. Um, but I had to step into this really kind of faith place of faith of like, look, I'm giving some things to God. I'm gonna see how this process plays out And it has it has brought me and my wife together in a in a deeper, more connected way than I've ever experienced and but there we had to walk that space for a little while together and that's what actually brought us together on this so um so it, I'm, a, I'm a living, breathing example in my own relationship, Sarah. Um, you're 29. You're, you're at the beginnings here. I mean, yeah, you look like you're 10, but you're 29. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for you. For, it's busting open right now. And it, it's, you know, the cards are in the air and they're going to land in a pretty awesome place. If both of you are committed to staying humble and staying honest, you're going to be
1: Okay. So,
0: I appreciate
1: that. Sarah, we're going to be running short on time here. Have yeah. we answered your question or do you have anything else today?
2: Yeah, I think that, that was pretty good. Some good advice.
0: I appreciate it. Okay. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, it's thank good to you, meet you so Sarah. much for coming on this show, Sarah. It's good to meet you too. Um, yeah, this topic of faith, you guys, for those listening, I know that this is a, a big one in a lot of people's worlds. Please share this with your friends if the, you think it'll be helpful. And again, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today.